Welcome to MHM Podcast Network on MovieHouseMemories.com. Podcast for pod people. Our feature presentation begins now. You're listening to Lunchtime Movie Review from LunchtimeMovieReview.com. And we are the children of the 80s. Welcome back to another episode of Lunchtime Movie Review, the podcast where we look back at some of our childhood favorites and see if they stand the test of time. I'm Patrick, and with me this week is... I'm Chris. Hello, I'm Shane. And Shane is back again. He didn't have enough punishment the last two times. Welcome back, Shane. (laughs) Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. No, thanks for being here. And this week we're reviewing 1989's Roadhouse with Patrick Swayze and Kelly Lynch. But before we get into Shane's summary of that film, first a word from our sponsor. This podcast is brought to you by Ford Motors Monster Trucks. If you're looking to make a big statement in a small town, Try the latest and greatest in terror techniques and sports entertainment. An all-American, throat-crushing, car-crunching, motherfucking monster truck. (laughs) (laughs) Our supercharged big block American V8 brings you 2,000 horses of power that won't be tamed by some pretty boy dirty dancer telling you to be nice. Fully adjustable nitrogen shocks supports 1,000 pounds of pure might that will have your sexy beast riding like the wind through your trees. We guarantee each and every vehicle to demolish everything in their path, across any train, over any automobile, for any reason. No questions asked or your money back. So whether you're looking to impress your friends or your enemies, you'll be a fool not to believe in Ford Motors monster trucks. <laughs> okay, all right. That advertisement, that advertisement is random as the monster truck in Roadhouse. But... <laughs> Shane, you have yeah, the summary for <laughs> Shane, you have the summary for I us? I do. I certainly do. Now, Dalton is the man, the man with a heart of gold and a fist of fury. He can sniff out a drunk a kilometre away or a cash-stealing employee close by. He's the best bouncer in the business and probably the only one with a degree in philosophy. He believes in being nice until it's time not to be nice. So if you call a cocksucker to the face, don't take it personal. Be nice. When is it time not to be nice? Just ask Dalton. He'll tell you when it's time not to be nice. Feel calmer now? Lured out of his comfortable New York job to work and take control of the Double Juice Tavern in the redneck town of Jasper, Missouri. Dalton's reputation precedes him, but his size does not. The ladies expected him to be bigger, much bigger. Even some of the men were disappointed at his girth. Anyhow, Dalton (laughs) finds a place to stay at Emmett's farm. It doesn't have a... It doesn't have much. It has no phone or TV. He has only a loft, and that suits Dalton just fine. He's a man who doesn't need much, just the simple pleasures, such as he smokes and a nice car. Dalton doesn't even need underwear. He's what you Americans refer to as a free baller. However, Dalton loves his car, and he parks the Mercedes in the barn, but buys a cheap work car to drive to the bar each night. He also stocks up on spare tyres in anticipation of his current set being slashed. Why not park out the back or ride a bike to work, Dalton? You think the locals are going to be that concerned about you? Just ride a bike. 
He quickly takes the reins of the double juice, much to the owner's delight, throwing out manic drunks nicely, controlling the existing staff nicely, and not throwing any punches just yet. The blind lead singer, guitarist of the house band, is an old mate of Dalton. He warns him of the double juice and its namesake, the double standards. Turns out Jasper is controlled by Jackie Treehorn from the Big Lebowski. He's skimming dollars off all the businesses in town in return for protection of his right-hand thugs. This arrangement also applies to the double juice, and Dalton does not like it at all. Now, in a sense, when the, during this whole all-out brawl, when being nice was thrown out the window like a bar stool in blazing saddles, Dalton checks into the ER of the local hospital to get his flesh wound fixed up, which is surprising since Dalton, pain he says pain don't hurt. Dalton's wounds attended by a very hot nurse in her prime, an amazing cocktail hottie. Now, not Elizabeth Shue, it's Kelly Lynch. You know Mickey Rourke's girlfriend from Desperate Hours? Yeah, I didn't think so. <laughs> now, an SOS call is put into the stranger of the Big Lebowski, a fellow bouncer buddy and mentor of Dalton's named Wade Garrett, for a bit of help. Um, he needs some help, all right. Jackie Treehorn's business arrangements are threatened by Dalton. Car chases, helicopter rides, helicopter rides, and a poor beaten up old man ensure a classic Royale Rumble showdown the likes of Jasper has never seen. Dalton is even forced to bring out what Jason refers to as Swiss Cut Day and Treehorn's henchman Jimmy in a dramatic in a dramatic dance fight down <laughs> by the river that would made any Footloose fan proud. Dalton is forced to rip out Jimmy's throat with his bare hand, and Swayze didn't even have the glow when he did it. <laughs> After the throat-ripping incident, Dalton is ready to pack his bag, head to the next honky-tonk with Wade, but once he finds Wade laying dead in the bar with a knife buried to the hilt in his chest, Dalton unleashes the fury of unrestrained <laughs> on Treehorn and his remaining men. The fighting goes on and on and on until Dalton remains the last man standing. Jackie Treehorn is no more, and the double juice and the simple folk of Jasper remain thankful to Dalton till the end of days. At least until the necessary straight-to-home video sequel of 2006 that found the only way to tarnish the legacy of Roadhouse, make another one without Swayze. (laughs) All right. Roadhouse. That is Roadhouse. <laughs> that is the classic Roadhouse. All right, Roadhouse was released on May 19th of 1989, the same week as Fright Night 2, How I Got Into College, and the same month as See No Evil, Hear No Evil with uh, Gene Wilder and Richard Pryor, Earth Girls Are Easy, Pink Cadillac with uh, Clint Eastwood, and a little film called Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. It grossed in the United States over $30 million. It was the 40th highest grossing film of 1989, finishing right behind Lean on Me, The Bear, and Weekend at Bernie's, and ahead of the re-release of Peter Pan, The Dream Team, and Do the Right Thing. So that is the stats on Roadhouse. Roadhouse, Shane, your pick. What about Roadhouse? Why is this a film that you wanted to review? Well, I remember it well, and I picked it because I, uh, the love I had for it, watching it on VHS, I never actually saw it at the cinema. 
But now I look back at it and I was completely disappointed <laughs> at how bad it actually is. But it's one of those good bad movies and the hair, everyone seemed to have bad hair in it, which I didn't notice back then either. It still to me remains a bit of a favourite because it is so cheesy and Patrick Swayze, I think I was drawn to him. So that is one of the reasons I picked it too. Oh, he is, he is a good looking man, especially in this film. <laughs> so I can understand you being drawn to. You know, I this this is like one of the the magical summer for me. The summer of 1989 was the first time I worked in the movie theater, and still to this day, my favorite job I've ever had is working in a movie theater. And 89 was the summer of Batman, Indiana Jones, The Last Crusade, Ghostbusters 2, Star Trek 5, Lethal Weapon 2, When Harry Met Sally. Uh, there was so many good films, and then there was Roadhouse. It, and my theater actually did not get Roadhouse, but I did see it that summer because I saw everything that came out that summer. I went to another theater to see it. And I distinctly remember this film. And I kept going, Patrick Swayze supposed to be the tough guy in this? It just This is a guy I knew for, from Dirty Dancing. And in America, there was a television miniseries, actually two miniseries. It's called North and South and North and South Part 2, or Book 2. Yes. And... and uh I remember him from that. I didn't even remember him from out the outsiders that, that I had seen a couple times. I didn't realize he was in it because that's how unmemorable he was in that film for me. But it was like, this is the guy who dances, not really the guy who kicks ass. <laughs> and it seemed like a tough marketing pitch from the get go. Yeah, definitely. And also I think, sorry, before Chris starts that, um, I remember him from young blood and he oh. was pretty tough in that. So stepping up, into Roadhouse for me, I just I really liked him, and like I said, he he's got that charisma that I was drawn to. Yeah, for me, Dirty Dancing ruined it. I wasn't going to go <laughs> see this film because he was a dirty dancer, so I never saw it in the theater because of that reason. Yeah, I, Dirty Dancing was. <laughs> I remember my girlfriend at the time loving Dirty Dancing, and I saw it so many times that uh, Patrick Swayze had a negative connotation just by who because he was associated with that film because i disliked that film so so much that it was and when did uh she's like the wind come out by the way because that doesn't that, help either my well yeah that's well that's the, on the on the dirty dancing soundtrack from the so, soundtrack okay so and dirty, so that's a double whammy as far as i'm concerned yeah dirty dancing was <laughs> yeah 87 i believe or 88 it's i mean it's the year or two before roadhouse but this is, I mean, this is his time that he's going to, he's trying to become an action star. I mean, there's Roadhouse. He follows it up with uh, Next of Kin the following year. And he was, uh, what I found surprising, he was supposed to be the lead, not Danny Glover, but the lead in Predator 2, which I, I, I can't imagine Swayze Kate being unleashed on the Predator in any effective form. But that's just, that, that, was, that was the plan. He got injured in this film and could not do predator too which isn't necessarily a bad thing for was him. he gonna hide in the mud in that film N no he's gonna do that <laughs> that takes place in the city Chris. i actually <laughs> he might not have made uh, predator 2 a better movie but he would have been a different kind of angle than what danny glover was yeah, uh, there are so many things wrong with Predator 2 that we should probably review that in its own podcast, but that it, it, it distinctly would be a different film, that's for sure. Um, did you like him in Point Break? I, I still, I just think, or did you even like Point Break? Point Break is when he starts yes, to redeem himself, yes. Shane, and Shane, you're a big surfer, so that, probably, that film probably has more resonance with you. 
Well, it has, except you can notice that uh, Patrick's not surfing because <laughs> there's, a, there's a, a stunt double there if you look closely. And also when they're at Bells Beach, Australia, at the end of Point Break, that's not Bells. It's a, it's a California beach or something. But that was noticeable. But overall, yeah, I did like Point Break and it was one of those movies that Swayze, again, he, that charisma in that role, it was a not a classic movie, a bit like Roadhouse, but it just has there's something about it that I liked, yeah. Well, Patrick Swayze couldn't ruin the film because Keanu was in it, and he's going to Keanu, Keanu the fuck out of any film that he's in. So that he's always, <laughs> it's not good to look like you know Richard Burton when Keanu is in the films. So. Now, now there is someone in Roadhouse that even when I saw this drew my attention, and that would be Kelly Lynch. And not that we like to beat a dead horse and always talk about the beautiful women in films, but Kelly Lynch was extremely beautiful in this film. Uh, and 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 I've seen her in many films since, and I've she's never struck me as quite the same way as she does in this film. Uh, was she topless in Absolutely. the other films? <laughs> well, I, I'm sure there was one, but she, she is in a few, I think. <laughs> oh, look, and she goes all the way on the first date in this movie too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And she's a doctor, so you know she's got some money too. That you know, he really hit the gold mine in this. Yeah, I don't think she's ever even as blonde as she is in this film from this point forward. Yeah, probably not. I remember um, in Cocktail when she was Brian uh, Brown's wife in that, and uh, she looked pretty good then too. But yeah, now she's the type of actress that I think around then she was in a prime, and in this movie, I think. She's perfect for what she has to do. She looks good, and I can't believe that she's actually single in that town. Actually, I thought <laughs> someone might have snapped her up, but in came Swayze. <laughs> Cut well, the grass. Yeah. Well, and, and also the yeah, that was a little bit hard to believe, though. I, I didn't understand why she would be single. Well, and that she had anything to do with the, the town baddie for as long as it, you know, the, he, you know he was all jealous of of uh, Dalton stealing his his girl or making time with his girl like that, that why would she have anything to do with that guy yeah no exactly and when they make love they're mm. in like the room or the porch and it's right across the river opposite side of the river to the bad guy <laughs> yeah he just sits the there yeah he just sits there and watches and drinks <laughs> so um, I'm not sure which of them he was watching though <laughs> <laughs> well, Patrick Swayze was a gorgeous man back in that day, in the day. So and, and, and I live in a barn with no AC in, in Kansas in the summer. Uh, that's got to be so humid and hot. That's next to a river. Do you like mosquitoes? Because I've got lots of them. <laughs> well, you know, it's okay because it had no TV or phone. So <laughs> that's true. You can't call for help. Uh, one of the interesting notes that I found is that uh, Kelly Lynch that is said that uh, whenever Bill Murray, actor Bill Murray, sees her sex scene with Patrick Swayze on television, he calls her husband and teases him about it. <laughs> I thought it was like perfect Bill Murray, and that's that's pretty hilarious. Although it is a good sex scene to watch, if for no other reason to you see know, this that's film. Very Bill Murray. <laughs> well, it makes perfect sense that he. Probably has that Kelly Lynch sex scene on the <laughs> and rings the husband. <laughs> now, uh, we've already talked about it. One of the things I wanted to talk about is the monster truck scene. And we've already made fun of it a little bit. But, Shane, this is your pick. What are your thoughts about that just random let's have a monster truck scene in this film? 
Oh, exactly. So random. And, and thinking of the older me now watching it, yeah, what the hell is it even in there for? And it's – is it just to try – is it an action sequence? They thought, oh, you know, the audience will be on the edge of the seat for this, or is it – Sort of played in comedy. I, I don't. I don't know why it's there at all. I, I loved it as a kid, but yeah, I don't understand it anymore. <laughs> why it's there? What I don't understand is is the the just be the practical legal aspect of it. I'm like, if you destroy all these cars, someone has to pay for it, and maybe the town's cops are paid off. But you could go to the federal government. I mean, it, everybody saw it. There's all this evidence, and I'm like. If you're trying to keep a low pri- profile and um, bribe all these people, blackmail all these people, you don't do something extravagant like this. You you keep it lower key. And there's just little things that the main villain guy did that just made no sense. And this was probably the biggest one of them. <laughs> well, in this fantasy world where Patrick Swayze is a tough guy and – the the local villain can do whatever he wants without any kind of you know law enforcement stopping him uh it, it seems to make sense other than why did you need a monster truck i agree with you all the witnesses that were there and saw that happen the the, the reality of him getting away with it is just is ridiculous but you know at, at the same aspect that you know he has so many people in his pocket apparently then he, that 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 just goes to supposed to show his sinisterness is that he he is that powerful that no one can stop him. Yeah, yeah, that that's yeah, that's definitely all it was. It was just to say, right, well, this is what I can do if I want to do it. One of the things read about this film, this film when it came out was is it was supposed to be a big hit. It was a summer release. I you know I always remembered it coming out later in the summer than May, but maybe it didn't play at my theater, so maybe I'm just remember. Maybe I didn't see it till later in the summer. But this was supposed to be a big summer film released a week before. Uh, Last Crusade, but around the same time as, uh, you know, uh, some uh, lighter fare, so to say, Earth Girls Are Easy and See No Evil, Pink Cadillac. And it, yet it didn't it didn't resonate. And I think it was just bad strategy because the summer of 89 at the time was huge. It was the, at that point was the biggest box office year ever and a lot of it came in the summer with Batman and Last Crusade, even Ghostbusters 2 and Lethal Weapon 2, which were smaller hits, I think this film just gets overshadowed. But I worked a year after this, I'm working in a video store, and Roadhouse is a, is and probably still to this, is a massive video hit. People rent that movie all the time, and I never understood why. Shane, do you have any thoughts on why it just, it, it caught a second audience and became the cult following that it was now? Uh, definitely, I think movies like, like you said, Lethal Weapon 2 and the, the same target audience that would have been for the Roadhouse viewers just was over, it was overshadowed, obviously. And I think it would have been rated R over there, maybe. Oh, yeah, um, that it was would, rated that R. That would have limited people, I'd say, to see it. But Lethal Weapon 2 was rated R. And so, that, I mean, that had the same kind of limitations placed on it. But I... Okay. You, know, you know, one of the reasons I think I, I've seen this film probably three or four times now, and now I more watch it for like laughs and, you know, just it's so cheesy the same way that I'll watch Showgirls because it's just so 
the, the lines are just so funny in the way they were delivered. My wife watched half of this movie with me. <laughs> uh, she'd never seen Roadhouse. She came in right before he says, pain don't hurt. And she literally almost fell off the couch laughing because she thought that was one of the most ridiculous lines she's ever seen in a movie. And the way he delivered it, she's like, <laughs> is he trying to play tough? I was like, no, he is tough. He's Dalton. And she's like, it just, it's, he's Patrick Swayze still. I don't, I don't get it. And of course, she's not a fan of Point Break at all. She, she did not appreciate that treasured film as much as I do. But it, it, she's like this. He's he's ghost. He's dirty dancer. You know that's that's Patrick Swayze, and he, she's like he's pretty. You know he he looks. You know he's got is he has hair that I would you know almost that I'd wish for, but <laughs> he's not. You know he's he's not a big mullet. Yeah, yeah. In in the eighties, and it's, the hair's funny now, but in the time it was that's how every look at Mel Gibson and Lethal Weapon two just a month later. You know he's got the same kind of hair. But I, the, yeah. the money is spent on this film. I mean, there's the film looks good. I mean, it looks it doesn't look cheaply made. It looks really, really good. Definitely agree on that. It does look good. And I think your point of making it big on video is it's sort of like a beer drinking movie. So it would have been those uh, movie that people would hire out, take to their mate's house, sit there in a group and watch it together. I would say, and have a beer while you watch it. When we're in the cinema, you couldn't maybe do that, I guess. No, not in America. You couldn't watch it with a beer. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Not legally, or, you know, you couldn't, you'd have to bring it in yourself. But Chris, did you see this in the theater or is this this your first experience with it? No, I had seen it before, but I didn't see it in the theater. I think part part of what it might have been, well, well, two things. It could possibly be a date film. I mean, it's kind of cheesy. Girls like Patrick Swayze, guys like girls. So uh, maybe that's why. But uh, also, I think there might have been a certain percentage of guys who wouldn't go see it in the theater because he was Mr. Dirty Dancer. But maybe for whatever reason, they couldn't find something to rent that night and Roadhouse uh, was what they chose, and you know, slowly it it gained a little bit of a following. Well, it does have. I mean, it, you rip a guy's throat out in a film, that is going to get some sort of a following. <laughs> but <laughs> it's still Patrick Swayze. And, and, and you're, you're you're right when you say it's like a, a date film because it's bore, it's a borderline chick flick in a way because he's a the tough guy with a sensitive side. He's you know he's in love with the woman the girl. Uh, and, you know, his shirt's off occasionally. He does the Tai Chi or whatever he's doing. So it is a borderline chick flick. I agree there. I think a certain amount of women would even go to see it for Sam Elliott, too. No, Sam, yes. Sam, yeah, Sam, to a point. Yeah, that's right. Sam Elliott looked pretty glamorous in this film, too. I mean, he, I like Sam Elliott. I like him when he plays supporting roles. I think he brings lots to the character. And I thought he had far too little screen time in this film. I would have liked to have seen more of, I agree. of him and Dalton interacting and in kind of their camaraderie, uh, almost like a, I don't want to say like a lethal weapon type of buddy film, but it would have been entertaining. But there is there is elements for, for guys, too. I mean, besides that there's action and there's fighting and there's throat ripping um you've got kelly lynch who who gets naked you have the other blonde who i can't remember the actress's name right off the top of my head right now but who's with the who's with the bad guy but i mean she's 
a, a great looking blonde and she's she's in the film quite a bit as as well i mean there's there's something for both men and women in this film I, but it was it seemed to be marketed at the time as kind of patrick swayze from dirty dancing is now action star and i think they possibly lost half their audience by doing that yeah and it could have even been made around the same time because dirty dancing was the surprise hit I assume. So when Swayze made it just huge success with that film, they might have pushed that movie afterwards to say, you know, to on those coattails of Dirty Dancing because it's pre-Ghost. I think Ghost was like a year later as well. Yeah, Ghost is 1990. I, yeah. I was working. I was still working in the movie. I came back to work at the movie theater when that one came out, and that one shocked the hell out of me that it became as big as it was. That. That, that's the one that Paul, Paul Hogan was um, that's true. actually up for the lead role. He was he was close to getting that lead role, but they gave it to Swayze. Thank goodness. <laughs> you don't think he would he would have had chemistry with Demi Moore? <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. What about the acting from Ben, ben Gazzara, the uh, as Brad Weasley, the bad guy? I mean, he he was Jackie Treehorn. He was okay for what it, what it's worth. I thought he was come across quite evil and you didn't like him from the start. You, he has all the characteristics that I normally would like from a villain, this kind of general indifference, uh, not, uh, you know, not psychotic, but just like, I, I can do what I want. I'm going to have a loud party and everybody's going to get naked at it. And I can walk in a bar and I can have my guys trash it, or I can drive a monster truck through a car lot uh, just because <laughs> I, I can drive down the street swerving back and forth and everyone's going to get out of my way. I mean, I kind of like that, but I didn't really, I mean, I never really began to hate him that much. I mean, it was, it was, I, I began to hate the people for tolerating him. You know, it's like this, this guy is a, he's not that sinister. He, I mean, he really didn't do much as far that sinister until the end of the film. And then suddenly he goes over the top. He blows up the uh, hardware store and he kills uh, Wade. And then, uh, he, then uh, the, I don't know his name. Red. He blows up. He sets fire to. Yeah. Red's the, the, the store, but I was thinking of uh, the house, the, that, Swayze oh, was Emmett living. Emmett's, yeah, like Emmett's, yeah, Emmett's house. Yeah. So, but I, I, you know, that's Jimmy doing it, and Jimmy gets punished by having his throat ripped out by Swayze. How embarrassing! You had your throat ripped out by Patrick Swayze. I mean, that's. <laughs> you know, my intelligence was actually insulted by all of the bad guys in this. I mean, um, Jimmy, he had the the stereotypical cross in one ear that made him bad. Um, you had a fat guy who probably couldn't punch his way out of a wet paper bag, and he was supposed to be sinister. You just talked about Brad. I I literally got angry in this film just watching it for all the how bad the uh, these villains were supposed to be. And to what you said is that the people of the town just accepted it when really all you had to do is rip Brad's uh, toupee off, go running with it, and he's going <laughs> to cave like a little baby. So I, I, that I had a problem with in this film. Yeah, and when they all used to line uh, in the movie. They line up alongside each other and wait for their instructions on what to do. I noticed too, that they couldn't think for themselves. Yeah. I mean, so many things about like, Oh, I'm Patrick Swayze. I care about my car and now I'm going to drive it straight at the house and let them shoot it up. And it's, <laughs> uh, you know, it, I don't even know how good a distraction that was considering it was broad daylight is how did he uh, ultimately get into the house as if you know, they would know that you were coming 
everything seemed to be just so cheesy, so over the top, so one dimensional that there was no real development of anybody. And you know why even Doc ends up with Dalton presumably at the end doesn't even make sense. <laughs> Well, you know, the, the two things that stood out to me the most over all these years was first the, the fat guy getting crushed by the polar bear. Yeah. And um, yeah. That, I remembered that. And then just the, the lackadaisical way that these uh, cops um, treated the, all the, the people at the end after they had just shot this guy to death. Um, who was on the cops or, you know, the, the cops were on his payroll. And they're all like, we didn't see nothing. As one guy's walking out with all the guns they just used, those are the two things that uh, have always stuck with me. For worse, not not for the better, but well, maybe the the polar bear because I did kind of like that scene, but um, they they stuck out. Do you think it was a bit reminiscent of a western? Even not not just their names when you you look at Wade Garrett or Doc or you know even Dalton, but would you think it's a bit of a modern western that they were going for? Which, you know, a lot of westerns aren't really there for their story, no, for I, their action. No, I, I definitely think it's uh, like a western. It's, I mean, you could see almost Clint Eastwood uh, with the man with no name doing the same thing of uh, taking on the the local, you know bad guy against uh, the, the, the bar or tavern that he comes into who pays him just for protection. And it, it's definitely a, it's got a, a Western element or theme with it, despite the fact it was set in Kansas and it has this almost kind of country theme to it that, but you know, yeah. the, the horses they ride in this are their, their vehicles. And that's why you've got a big uh, monster truck and a, a Mercedes <laughs> and, you know, all kinds of stuff, a helicopter, everything. Now, yeah, let me ask no, you guys this. So. How was Family Guy's uh, spoof of this where Peter Griffin always goes around saying Roadhouse and kicking people? Was that uh, Did that taint this movie or change your view of this movie at all? Never saw that, so I can't say. <laughs> okay. uh, I knew of it, but only recently, so no, it didn't change my view of it. What changed my view of this movie is my love of it on VHS, watching it so many times and then re-watching it, not once but twice for this podcast and just totally deflated. <laughs> <laughs> and and the fact the fact they kept saying, oh, I thought you'd be bigger. Well, yeah, of course you're going to think Pat Swayze's bigger, you know. And, and for me, this movie was big, but now it's minuscule, unfortunately. Did you see the, the straight-to-video sequel? You know what? I haven't visited that i haven't gone down that road yet i I would watch it but under sufferance i think after watching this again yeah i i didn't i haven't seen it either i I read a little bit about it and how they say dalton gets shot like years before and i went well that took care of his character (laughs) (laughs) he's the tough guy who can't be beaten until he gets shot and then then he's dead and now so it's supposed to be dalton's son i said oh that's a little anticlimactic Pain, pain don't hurt even when he's shot. <laughs> yeah, bullets do. <laughs> so, who, uh, who played Dalton's son? Oh uh, God, it was uh, jo- Jonathan Skech. I can't it, say his last name properly. Sometimes from the, the yeah that uh, the th- that thing we do. Yeah, him. so he was like the lead singer of the band, and he was married to, or either uh, was, or is still married to Christina Applegate. Oh, really? Well, yeah, at some point he was. I'm not sure if he still is, but he was for a while. Okay, well, he accomplished two things in life. He was in a Tom Hanks movie and married Christina Applegate. Uh, <laughs> <but> <laughs> anything else on Roadhouse before we wrap it up? 
Uh, no, probably just that it's very disappointing and the shaking down of the businesses to get money for the bad guy to, you know, live off. There wasn't really that many businesses other than the bar and the, there's only a couple of residents in the, in the town. I don't know how he could survive. Well, there's a car sales place, so they must have at least some people to come <laughs> yeah, by. That's true. Of course, if somebody keeps driving over their cars with a monster truck, maybe that's why he stays in business is everybody's looking for a new vehicle. Would you need a special license to drive a monster truck? Because I wouldn't just think anybody could drive one of those. I would. I would think something that size. You you couldn't drive that on the streets. That that's something you could. I don't know that, but that, there's just no yeah. way. It takes up too much space. But in that town, you can do it. Apparently. <laughs> yes. All right, rapid. Jasper, <laughs> Kansas. All right, Chris. Roadhouse stands the test of time or not? It completely does not. I mean, this this film was just an average film for me back in the day, and it's just an average film now. I've, I've never taken much away from it. Patrick Swayze wasn't terribly bad as the lead. I like Sam Elliott a lot. Um, someone we didn't talk about in this film was uh, professional wrestler Terry Funk was in this, who probably would have beat the living hell out of Dalton in uh, in this film town anyway but he uh he uh, had to lose in this film but you know sam elliott's great hated the villains i'm gonna say it's just average shane i totally agree it's it does not stand the test of time and i was really hoping it would <laughs> all my fond memories of this movie but uh, i do still agree and i think that patrick swayze has charisma in just about any movie here that he is stars in or even has a small role in. And someone we didn't talk about is Keith David, who oh. practically had, had a small role, only like a cameo, and I would have liked to have seen more of him. Yeah, I was kind of surprised when I saw him at, behind the bar and I went, wow, I don't remember him in this film. And there was a reason why, because that was pretty much the only scene he was in. <laughs> he doesn't yeah, do much. Yeah, I forgot too. And uh, it was great to see him. I kind of was hoping he'd come back, but he didn't. Um. I'm going to disagree with you guys. I am not a fan of this film. I did not like it when it came out, but I think it's as, as good today as it was in 1989. And the people who liked it in 1989, with the exception of Shane, probably will like it now. It is a cheesy film, uh, similar to Flash Gordon, similar to Tremors, uh, where it I, I don't think they intended to make a serious drama. I think they intended to make a lot of cheese in it, and that's why they didn't put a lot of... It, it's not a great film, but I think it it is entertaining, and at least it it looks really good on screen. I, w I was surprised at how well it looked watching it on Blu-ray this time, or excuse me, I think I saw it on DVD. But... I think it, it. I think it stands the test of time. It's not a film for me. I don't like it, but I can see why some people do. I, I definitely like. I think Jason would probably like this film, and I think Matt would probably like this film. It's not a good story, but it's an entertaining watch. I mean, is it's? It, I hadn't seen it ten years, and I I, I laughed. It's not. In, I don't think they wanted me to laugh at things, but it, I found myself entertained enough to get through the film in one setting. So. I would say it does stand the test of time. It is it is a cheesy film that was made to be cheesy, and it is still cheesy today. And I can understand why it became a cult cult film. So I would rather see Tremors, though. <laughs> well, I would rather see Tremors too because I like Tremors. Yeah, there are certain points that are still appealing, but as a whole, and uh, just just disappointed me, unfortunately. 
All right, that does it for this week's review of 1989's Roadhouse. Thanks again for joining us and listening to our little bi-weekly podcast. If you've had a good time, the fun doesn't have to stop here. You can follow us on Facebook at Lunchtime Movie Review or on Twitter at Lunchtime Movie. On either Facebook or Twitter, you can keep up on our written film reviews, news on upcoming films and Blu-ray releases, and information on upcoming podcasts on the MHM Podcast Network, including Movie House Memories, Lunchtime Movie Review, Mail Bonding, and The Number Two Review. Additionally, you can all, you can follow us all on our little side projects. Chris hosts the number two review podcast, which can be heard here on MH, MHM. Uh, additionally, you can follow him on Twitter at Haley Creative. And Shane writes regularly for SydneyUnleashed.com and is a contributor to CultRadioAgogo.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Movie underscore Analyst, where you can keep up on his film reviews and celebrity interviews. Finally, if you've enjoyed yourselves and you download us off either iTunes or Stitcher, make sure to rate our podcast on either one of those two formats. And if you have a chance, write a short review of the podcast. Of course, we always like the reviews that are positive, but we appreciate any feedback that we get from any listeners of the show. Well, that does it for this episode of Lunchtime Movie Review. Until next time, I'm Patrick. I'm Chris. I'm Shane. And we got to get out of here right now. And you guys are invited. is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. The theme music for Lunchtime Movie Review Fireworks is provided courtesy of Alexander Nakaranda at serpentsoundstudios.com under a Creative Commons Attribution 4.0 license. All original content of this podcast is the intellectual property of MHM Podcast Network, Lunchtime Movie Review and Fuzzy Bunny Slippers Entertainment LLC unless otherwise noted. <laughs>